Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Mark. Hi, Liz. Well, the inevitable has happened. We've gotten Uh-oh. a one-star review on Apple Podcasts. Really? Well, you know, it's funny because all my people, well, actually, all the podcasts I listen to, they always say, don't read the reviews. You know, you'll just get uh-huh. your feelings hurt or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I always thought, well, I, I don't want to read the reviews, but while we're a new podcast, I do like feedback. Sure. So when I popped on, we have like 122 reviews on Apple. So that's thank wild. you, guys. That's yeah. really, really kind of you to take a little hot minute. I'm finding out a lot of people's favorite ice cream flavors someone like spumoni is what is it am i saying that right i thought that it's like a a gelato probably okay i don't know but i was like so So they're they're listening commenting anything as long as they comment well they're saying nice things and then they're like also my favorite ice cream is which i think is really cute and then i saw we had a one star and i was like oh god Uh they hate me and i and so i'm gonna read it to you okay one star yeah title love 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 I'm not one to write reviews about podcasts, but this show is so good that I had to. (laughs) I enjoy history and hearing true stories of what people went through and experienced. And this podcast does just that, telling all my friends about this podcast one star. That is a mistake. <laughs> I know, no, I know. And, I, and I'm not, I don't. <laughs> I've done that before. and I, I, you Maybe know. they thought one is best because you want to be it, number well, one. perhaps, yeah. Right, and they thought, exactly. well, I'm certainly not going to give them a five. <laughs> right. So bless her no, sweet that, little heart. I right. love her. I, she can write all the one star reviews she that's wants right. because that that's was a lovely. Great one. That's a great review. And honestly, to be perfectly <laughs> frank, we haven't gotten a bad review yet. No, right. We got right. A, a two star review that was also incredibly complimentary. So oh, I, really? again, I also think they didn't understand yeah. how it works yeah <laughs> no we're we're so grateful for all the reviews i mean it really does help i know every podcast says that you know we live in a world mark where you have to write a review about everything now i know i'm not 30 minutes out of my dentist office and I like know, ding right? how is your appointment at it's body true. booty dentist it's right true, yeah. i'm like uh, 
It was yeah. fine. Well, I then told that's them all that. you have to say. Well, why know? do I have to say? Why do I go, okay, five stars? What did you like about it? I just exit out. Well, that's I'm fine. Like, I don't have time. Did five stars. And I here don't... we are asking people for reviews. <laughs> well, I'm a teacher, so it's important for my students to review me at the end of the semester. I remember those days in college. Yeah, and... it's important, like for that. Yeah, I don't know. You have one student who gets mad over one grade. Oh, yeah. grade. It's like when you watch Survivor, and mm. at the end, they're still so mad at everyone yes. that they don't really pick the right it's winner true. sometimes because they're just mad. There's some great constructive criticism in there. True, for, for true. And, and I welcome it because if you go yeah. to our Facebook and Instagram, there's some nasty things said about both of us, and I leave it up. I don't huh. delete it. I just like us fine. Well, of course. Not, we're not for everybody. <laughs> but no. for everybody who's here for episode 13, we're here for you. So welcome to My Grandma's Diaries. So before we get into it, let's recap episode 12. That was a big episode. Yeah. And we covered, it took me forever to edit that one. We covered a lot of things. And we talked about dad always going to Memphis looking for a job. And why Memphis was so critical and important during the Depression. And we talked about if it wasn't for FDR and the WPA, the southern states wouldn't have had some of the advances in technology and attention that Mm -hmm. they have. Mm -hmm. Because FDR's electrical systems brought so much – well, he electrified the south. Mm -hmm. The north Mm -hmm. had already paid for their own electricity. So this was not a gift of the federal government for them. Uh This was something they bought and paid for. But the southerners who hadn't had that kind of money – Right. In the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, And he did it. Right. So – and then we discovered that during World War II – they're sending more bases into the South to help the struggling South. Think, so right, sure. really, uh, right. FDR did so much for the red states. Interesting. Huh? And, uh, we thought that was really, really cool. In last episode, Elizabeth is successfully in school, and that mm-hmm. makes her really happy. And she's doing plays and hanging out with friends. We also saw one of our coldest nights, two degrees. Right. And she was in that tent. Mm-hmm. And when, at first, we thought she must be in a house. She must be at Aunt Ella's. Nope. Girl was in the tent. And oh my God, our hearts just broke for them on that. And I have gotten a lot of comments on Facebook of people are like, even if they didn't have a stove, they would have brought in a cook stove kind of Mm -hmm. situation. That sounds dangerous. Yeah, I don't think so. But I don't think they did that. Um, But somebody else also talked about those bed warmers. And you see them in antique Mm -hmm. homes, like in house museums, those brass bottoms with a long stick and they would rub it in the bed. Mm -hmm. Then you jump in, you put all those quilts on. That's, I mean, I'm not sure where frostbite comes into play but that is very dangerous it sounds to me oh, i mean right. that's people I didn't die even in think two about degree weather and and unhoused people correct <gasps> oh know. poor elizabeth yeah. bless her little heart no wonder she didn't want to talk about it so episode 12 ended with school getting out for this summer and little miss getting almost all a's on her report card so she's super smart of course and she's the very last entry i read she's sitting on the store porch with francis mm-hmm. and just it's like a beautiful novel Mm-hmm. Like they're having schools out, yay, summertime, mm-hmm. yay. And all of a sudden, up the road come some desperate campers mm-hmm. looking for information. Hey, do you have a job for us? Right. I mean, it's just like the, the movie is writing itself. It sure is. Yeah, that's the end sure. of, a, of, of an yeah. episode that's right. like, yay, everything is great. And no, no, it's not, girl. Right. Ah, so I love and it. And the setting itself makes it even more interesting. And we know exactly the footprint of where that store 
was. We're lear- lo- y'all, it's because insane. of this Facebook and podcast experience, we're yeah. meeting relatives. We have people <laughs> reach out all the time going, I think that's my great-great-grandparents. And we're getting pictures and maps yeah. and our eyes are being open to this whole world because, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Right. So we have these diaries. We don't have Elizabeth to ask. Mm-hmm. We can't even ask her children because she didn't talk about it. And we're just looking at maps ourselves and speculating like mm-hmm. reading a novel that's right. where you're writing a paper. It's like we're writing a paper about your grandma. Yeah. So it's so yeah. nice to get these other people yeah. who can help us. And people uh, who actually hung out with the people who Elizabeth talks about in the diary on the land. I mean, it's just incredible. If you are following our Patreon, when we do a bonus episode... I'm not sure when it's going to air. It might already be on there by the time this drops. But we interview a woman who mm. was raised in Step Rock. It's just whose parents played cards with Henley Caps and Tommy Bird. I mean, they know everyone that we're talking about. It's like it's like I interviewed a celebrity. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this was so she much knew, fun. She knew where Aunt Delia's house is, and yes. what that does is really anchors things for us. Right. Now we know, you know, Elizabeth would say, or saw something from Aunt Delia's porch today. Yeah, or went to Aunt Delia's to pick something up. Exactly. And we know the exact route. Yeah. We can see where her little feet were. Oh, my God. It's the coolest thing. Thanks to that phone call you got. Thanks to Marianne. Marianne. Yeah. Now, who is she again? I'm sorry. She lives in Step Rock. She was raised in Step Rock. She moved away. She retired back to Step Rock with her husband. Her mother still lives there. Uh Her mother was an Evans, like the John okay, Evans, like Evans and Prudy patch. Evans clan and a Yingling <sighs> yep. like Yady, Lady Yingling. Yep. I don't have all the genealogy perfect in my head, but that's what I remember. Yeah. From the our one with call. the appendix. I think we saw one of their girlies. Oh, no. That one was of their a bird. Yeah, that was a bird. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But still, still I mean, we met right. La- Lady was the one who got another yeah. birth certificate, but didn't put a real name on it. Just put Lady. Oh, right. That's right. That's oh, right. And I found out, mm. and I can tell this to everyone, it's because her dad called her his little lady. Oh, So the name okay. Lady. Stuck, and then she just thought, "Well, call me Lady." All right, and that's sweet. That is very a sweet. A little nickname from her daddy. Oh, so we're going to be picking up the diary entries here in April of 1933. But before I even get to Elizabeth, things are happening in Germany. You know, I love to keep my eye on Hitler's rise and figure out how the heck that happened. But on April 1st of 1933, the Nazi government organized a one-day boycott of all Jewish-owned businesses in Germany. They were aided in this boycott day with the assistance of a man named Julius Stryker, who published the anti-Semitic daily newspaper Der Stürmer, which might be the storm in German. I forgot to look it up. But guess what? The boycott failed to attract enough public support. Mm -hmm. So later, they decided to pass laws saying that German Jews could not own certain businesses. Right. Because the boycott didn't work. Because actually, in a way, that kind of made me like, yeah, the German people were like, "Um, no, not doing that. So then they said, well, we'll just pass laws and force you Mm -hmm. to discriminate Mm -hmm. against your neighbor. (gasps) So I hate that. Oh, and then I bet Elizabeth really hated this because on April 3rd, of 1933, Michigan became the first state to ratify the 21st Amendment, which is repealing prohibition. Ah. <laughs> and like all other states are going to start falling like dominoes behind it. But actually, in my notes, I wrote, uh-huh. the, uh, the rest of the states are going to fall like drunks on the dance floor during the electric slide. <laughs> I've been watching way too much Ted Lasso, so weird little comments are coming out of me. But it's true. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, the world is getting very excited about this. And also, Dad had just gotten drunk on December 23rd. Yeah. So the memory of that really has to sting because Dad's drinking is a problem, Mm -hmm. you know, in these few episodes that we've read. And now prohibition, now alcohol is going to be legal. Right. What does she think about that? She doesn't like it, I'm sure. You know, her boyfriends are all drunk up. True. And, <laughs> true. And I had an on this day for our next podcast. And so right now, I don't remember all the exact details. But all I know is that I read that in June of 1933, mm-hmm. a man named, I can't think of his first name, so we'll call him John. Okay. John Gallo mm-hmm. committed suicide and murdered his wife. Mm-hmm. On the same day. Well, so I guess he murdered her first and then uh, yeah. committed suicide because his vineyard had failed so badly during mm. Prohibition and he oh. couldn't see a way out of it. But that's in June of, of, 1933. of 1933. In April, they're already trying to repeal it. But you can't repeal – you can't make a change to the Constitution without three quarters of the states agreeing. So you have to wait. And maybe he just couldn't see any hope anymore, mm-hmm. and he did this. So mm-hmm. who inherited that vineyard mm-hmm. were Ernest and Julio Gallo. Really? For real? For real. And they ended up making it a trillion-dollar business. Isn't that something? Isn't that tragic? Yes, If their it dad had just held on, he couldn't sure see his success. For but sure. yeah, Ernest and Julio Gallo. So I won't be doing that in the next episode, but that was one of the on this days that I had. Huh. So I'm just okay. throwing it in here. Well, there you go. Fits well there. It, yeah, it really kind of does. So enough about everybody else. Um, like that girl on TikTok said, tell that lady to stop talking and get to the diary. <laughs> um, and here we go. April 4th, 1933. Sweet 16 and Mama's pet hasn't been kissed by the right boy yet. Got a letter from Ruby and one from Reva. Watched Francis make a marble birthday cake for me. She and Daddy went to Circe after dinner with Mrs. Ivy. Mother and I took a nap. Francis got back before supper. Daddy stayed. Why is Dad staying? What's he doing? It's her birthday. Daddy's staying in Circe. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Francis came back. I see. Dad could have gotten a ride. What's he doing? Where? Who's he even staying with? Did he go all the way to Aunt Ella's? Is he hanging out with Grandpa? Yeah. What the heck, Daddy? It's her birthday. But maybe you've heard the expression before about sweet 16 and never been kissed. Yes. And then Elizabeth made a cute little poem out of it. So I figured every other thing in her diary, it might be a song. Mm -hmm. So I looked it up and there was a group called the Blue Mountaineers. Mm -hmm. And they made a song called Sweet 16 in 1932. That was extremely popular. Huh. It is such a fun, peppy oh, yeah? little jazz song. It'd be a great backdrop for some of the Facebooks uh, that you make when you add music. Oh, there's copyrights. No, there's Maybe actually not. not. No, no, okay. Yeah, yeah so I'll, you're in luck. Oh yeah, my God, yeah, yeah. it's so I'm good. And you're tapping your toe. Okay. And you're like, this is a great song until they we start singing. Oh. And then it gets creepy real oh, fast. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> um, Sweet yeah. 16, and then... Oh, these are grown-ass men gross, singing yeah. about a little 16-year-old gotcha. girl who needs to get kissed. And I'm going to play a little snippet <laughs> for you guys right now. Sweet 16, never been kissed Two red lips I couldn't resist Sweet 16, never been kissed By nobody but me Now and then she's rolling her eyes That is when I get a surprise She will tell the sweetest of lies Nobody but me 
So yeah, that's hard to listen to. Um, <laughs> who? Anyway, I guess it was fine back then. <laughs> but so there's the Sweet Sixteen. Ha 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 And she mentions a Mrs. Ivy that Dad and Francis got a ride with. Yes. And I had a hard time finding Mrs. Ivy because it's just Mrs. Ivy. So right. who is she? Did so you? I just started looking for Ivies okay. in Step Rock well, yeah. in the 1930s and trying to find someone yeah. who she would call Mrs. Ivy. Yeah, yeah. And I think I found her. Really? Her name was Miss Johnny Forrest. That's Johnny with an I-E. And she was born in 1901 in Gray, Arkansas, which is in White County. Mm. So it's one of those little towns. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a big county. She marries Eddie Ivy in 1929, and they have a daughter named Dorothy in 1933. They divorce in 1937 and then their sweet little daughter dies of a brain tumor in 1939. Uh-oh. So why this is interesting to me is that all of this drama happens mm-hmm. during a census year. Mm. So you go to the 1930 right. census and, and she's a married woman. And you go to the changed. 1940, they're not living anywhere near each other and you're like, what the heck happened? So I'm going back and I'm digging because I just wanted to find a divorce decree yeah. so I could see like how long the marriage last, uh-huh. lasted. And that's when I found the death certificate for the little girl. Oh, okay. So that's a hard thing about being a... A, a researcher uh-huh. is that you Just never a know. Ten-year census, yeah, because you're to so do it every de- year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean <laughs> I seriously, every five years would be nice. Yeah, five because it's be good. so hard to year. keep up with where these people go. And honestly, if it weren't for World War II draft cards, I'd have a right. hard time finding a lot of the guys. But at least mm-hmm. that kind of nails them down mm-hmm. sometime after mm-hmm. 1940, mm-hmm. and I can find out what they're doing. So that made me so sad that they, in this ten-year span, yeah, when you look so at it that happened. way, they fell in love, they got married, they had a baby, they and broke up, and the baby. Doesn't make it. Ah, tragedy. Neither of them ever remarried, and neither one Mm. of them ever had another child. Mm. So I know, I know, sometimes they're sad. (laughs) April 5th, 1933. Henley came out to the store this morning, and Francis Dean and I rode on his horse. After dinner last was my birthday dinner. Helen and Daddy missed it. They were down at Aunt Ella's. We took a nap at the tent. Daddy came home real late. Okay, mystery solved. (laughs) He must have stayed at Aunt Ella's with little baby Helen. Because it does look like, especially with Dean and Helen, because they're so little, I think they're rotating them out of the tent a lot. Yes. And and they're just little people, so they can go crash with Reva, and they probably share a room with her. But Daddy came home real late. Right. Come on, Daddy. Again, don't know what's going on. But we get a lot of comments on our social media that say, okay, I thought they didn't have any money. How do they have cars that can pay for gas? Yes. Well, the cars came probably in the 1920s during the Mm -hmm. roaring 20s and the boom. If you need to go to town, you got to have some wheels. Right. So, of course, people had cars and trucks and those things. But I looked up gas prices. And during the 1920s, Gas prices could be 20 to 30 cents a gallon. But after the Great Depression, the demand for gasoline drops. Mm -hmm. No one's going anywhere. Mm -hmm. They're selling all their cars. Mm -hmm. And they're desperate for customers. Mm -hmm. So they drop the price of gas as low as 10 cents a gallon. Wow. So what we don't see a lot of in this diary, it's her going to the movies. We rarely see her getting like a new dress. But they'll drive around a lot because that's one simple pleasure they can have. But they also have horses. 
Right. And I'm just thinking, that's real funny that, who was it? Francis Dean and uh, Henley came out. Yeah. So it's Henley and his horse, and they're all just, woo, riding on the horse. (laughs) Right. Francis Dean and I rode on his horse. Yeah. So he must have taken turns, like, letting him ride it. Isn't that fun? Yeah. Because we did that entry a while back where she and a friend of hers went looking for a horse to ride. Yeah. And they couldn't find one. Yeah. Which I thought was also interesting. Uh Like, I'm sure there are lots of horses. But Uh when did she learn how to ride a horse? Uh, Maybe she doesn't, and she just sits on it. Could be. I'm sure she's not, like, jumping and doing like those equestrian dances where the horse picks up his little feet. No, I, just, I, I doubt it. I think it. those are fascinating. How uh-huh. do you get a horse to do that? April 6th, 1933. I don't know what I did this morning that was special. Nothing but the old daily routine. After dinner, I cleaned up and got me some new work shoes at the store. Francis and I washed out some things, wrote to Ruby... Francis and I made some coconut bars kind of late this afternoon. After supper, I worked with the puzzle peg, but couldn't work it. What is that, puzzle peg? Oh, yeah, the puzzle peg is actually pretty cool. It's, I thought, have you ever been to the Cracker Barrel, and they have that triangular-shaped thing with the pegs in it? They look like golf Yes, 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 yes. And you try to leave one on. Yeah, right. Well, it's a game like that, but this is actually a little different. It's called Peg Solitaire, and it's a board game for one player Mm -hmm. involving a movement of pegs or marbles... So it depends on what kind of set you get. And it's much bigger than the one at the Cracker Barrel. And it takes you, you know, you're kind of like Chinese checkers, but solo, maybe. But the first evidence of this game can be traced back to the court of Louis XIV. And the very specific date of 1697, when an engraving was done for a magazine called the Mercure Galant. It shows the board and it shows you all the rules. So it's a game from the 1600s. Nice. I know, isn't that cool? Also... There's a cool insight to the store here. She went to yeah. the store to get shoes. Yeah, what? So, I, you know, maybe they have a couple of pairs in I different sizes, or maybe she had to order them. Um, because that store, now that we've seen a picture of it, you don't have like 12 pair of shoes. But no. they know that these laborers are going to need new work boots. Right. So they might have Stock like, up on like pairs the size of, they 7, probably, which is a, it's like a bowling alley. Maybe, well, you know, maybe. with shoes. Yeah, or she ordered them, but you know, that got to be expensive. Right. I mean, we just talked about how they're not really buying clothes, mm-hmm. but she needs some new work shoes. Mm-hmm. Those are the mom, yeah. the two girls, Leon. That's a lot of shoes. Yeah. It makes me wonder how much debt they're incruing yeah, at the exactly. store, right? There you go. So we'll find out about there that. There you go. April 7th, 1933. Worked this morning and how? After dinner, we rested up at the tent until Daddy came and told us to help him clear a spot for the garden. It's over by Mr. Evans' cotton patch. We went over there and pulled up weeds. There's Mr. Evans again. And there's his picture. We'll be on the Patreon. We finally have a picture of sweet little John Evans. Now, how did we get him? We got him from Marianne, who we talked about at the opening, and her mother was an Evans. Or maybe Amazing. it was her grandmother. I can't keep it. I had so many names. But yeah, it was a picture of him and... And a bunch of kids, right? No, no, no. It was just him and... Her, oh, I don't know if and, I've and seen another, this one. Oh, I know who it is. It's John Evans uh-huh. and it's Tommy Bird's brother's wife. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. So Tommy Bird had an older brother okay. named Isom or Isom. Yeah. I think it's Isom. Yeah. And he I-S-S-O-M, married... Um, an Evans girl. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So there just happens to be a picture of... Uh, so Isn't I guess it's John something? and his sister... 
Okay. Who ends up being Tommy Bird's older brother's wife. Isn't it's that, like my cousin's best oh friend's car. You know? <laughs> so we now have a picture of Mr. Evans. I mean, she talks about Mr. Evans all the time. I know. I wish we had a picture of Prudy yeah. and that cute little baby. What it's was it? Coming. Winford or something? I, I hope so. Yeah. God, I yeah, just I want bet. a picture of Prudy. Yeah. But yeah, so you'll see Mr. Evans and all his cuteness. April 8th, 1933. Cleaned up around this morning. Then we females of the family planted part of the garden. Tried to make some pie crust and made the biggest mess. Francis and I played Aunt Etta's Victrola. After supper, Francis, Leon, and I sat on the store porch and sang. There's a big musical on the mountain tonight. Henley didn't go. Shoot. That's a great entry. It's a great little entry. I love thinking about it, going up on the mountain for the musical. And I can imagine them, you know, walking through the trail, and I can already hear the... And, and there's the a little moon. hill right there, and I assume that's the hill she's talking that, about. You yeah, can look on Google Earth. Right. Everything's <laughs> flat, so I assume, you know, that's the hill. So oh. we can see it. It's right by the river there. Oh. Yeah, I know. What a great night. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, we've already mentioned Henley, Henley Caps, who played cards with Marianne's parents. I mean, I'm just... We ah. love Marianne. But, of course, Henley is working his way back into Elizabeth's love triangle mm-hmm. with Tommy. Right. And then, of course, we determined it'll become a love square because it'll be Henley, Tommy, Herschel, and Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> so here are these boys. It's uh, summer's coming soon, and they'll be ripe for loving. And, of course, we know now from interviewing all of these family members, Elizabeth made great pies. Yes. And she made her own pie crust. Yeah. So she figured out how yeah. to turn that big mess into something really yes, nice. Yes, she did. April 11th, 1933. Ruby and Carol came over here this morning, and we talked about our Easter picnic. After dinner, Dean, Francis, Leon, Daddy, and I went over and helped John Evans dig berry plants. I made 15 cents. We came back to our patch and set out onions and cabbages. April 12th, 1933. Dean and I went over to Miss Anna's after some butter this morning, did a little bit of everything this afternoon, and yet I did nothing. After supper, Francis and I sat on the store porch and sang. The bird boys came, and some others came by and got a lot of stuff out of the store. They had been drinking. Well, I guess news there of prohibition has yes. <laughs> ending has hit, and the bird and boys the are like, are drunk. And they're like, let's go get some munchies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So they're going by it's the like store 7-11. like, I'll get some chip potato chips. And <laughs> so some bless their hearts. Dog. They're jumping right into it with both feet. This is not going to make her happy at all. April 13th, 1933. After supper tonight, we heard some horses and then a voice calling out. It was Henley and Boyce. Now, that's an example of an entry that would never have made it to TikTok mm-hmm. because it's too it's short. short. And it's hard to kind of shove it into other things. Mm-hmm. But as a reminder, mm-hmm. Boyce is Francis's sweetheart. Mm-hmm. So he's always hanging out with Henley. They mm-hmm. would double date with them a lot mm-hmm. at the beginning. Uh-huh. So that's where Mr. Boyce comes into okay. play. April 14th, 1933. Went to Aunt Edda's and listened to the Victrola. Made fudge after everyone left. This afternoon, Boyce came over to the store and Francis and I went out to Alfred's with him to hear some new records. After supper, Francis and I went to a party out at Edith's. We danced, but didn't have much fun. Tommy was there and brought Francis and me home in the car. Mm-hmm. So she's going to a little dance. But they went over to Alfred's, which I'm assuming is a store. 
maybe. Uh, I'm not sure because they're at Aunt Edda's. Well, so. maybe it was a friend's house and I, Alfred had gotten I, some new records in the yeah. mail or something. I don't know. Francis and I went out to Alfred's. Yeah. With him to hear some I, new may, I thought maybe it was a little store in Searcy. Maybe. I said, it's ringing a yeah. bell that it's something like that. Yeah, yeah. But nonetheless, I'm like, what's the new latest song oh, yeah. that they so would be hearing she... in 1933? Right. So the big hits yeah. of February and January of 1933 were Stormy Weather. Don't know why. There's no sun up in the sky, stormy weather, since my man and I ain't together, keeps raining all the time. Okay. And another one uh, from Guy Lombardo and his Royal Canadians with Bing Crosby, You're Getting to Be a Habit with Me. Hmm. Every kiss, every hug seems to act just like a drug. You're getting to be a habit with me. Let me stay in your arms. I'm addicted to your charms. You're getting to be a habit with me. <laughs> and that's probably what she was listening to. Yeah, that, those were the new hits. Love it. So, yeah, Kate how tell. fun is that? Uh-huh, you know it. Uh-huh. April 16th, 1933. Easter. Didn't have anything new to wear, but I'm thankful for what I do have. After dinner, we were supposed to meet Henley and Boyce at the corner and go on to a picnic, but it looked too cloudy. So we went up to Ruby's, we danced. Henley and Boyce came, and we all danced and acted crazy. April 20th, 1933. We stayed down at Aunt Edda's almost all day and played the Victrola. Mother is making me a new blue broadcloth dress. After dinner, we lay around the tent almost all afternoon. Kind of late, Boyce and Henley came over here. We talked to them out by the store. They were going to take us to a musical tonight, but only stayed about an hour. So this is also another thing that gets me excited because mm-hmm. it says we lay around the tent yeah. and kind of late the boy we and they could hear them the boys are mm-hmm. at the store mm-hmm. they can hear from the tent okay. that the boys and the horses are well, coming up to the us store a clue it does Radius help us with the location the tent as you can imagine listeners is very difficult to nail down yeah you know of course it was a tent. Right. So we know now exactly where the store was. We're 100 yeah. million percent positive. Correct. And where there's a house next door to it. And yep. we know for a fact that at least at some point, mm-hmm. Carl and Othering lived mm-hmm. there. They are Aunt Etta's son and daughter-in-law. Mm-hmm. So you got to figure that right. maybe... Clyde and Etta lived in that house, and then when they died, Carl and Othering mm-hmm. moved in so they could take care of the store, because Othering becomes the postmaster. Yeah, she does. So maybe that's the house store... Well, and the tents behind it. I, you could be right. They could I don't all know. be th- right there. We don't know what we don't know. Well, right. Marianne's going to figure it We're out. We're going to figure it out. Because I specifically Wouldn't asked her something? about the tent. And she was going to go look mm-hmm. at old land records. And Ooh. she was going to go down to okay. the courthouse. Okay. She's also trying to help us with Thank the you, murder that we're going to talk Ooh, about later. Murder. Ooh, murder. So, yeah, there's a lot she's going to be very helpful with. Wow. I know. I love this so oh, much. I know. 
I know, it's so cool. <laughs> so if you haven't been listening to our Patreon episodes and why, uh, that's the question, we did learn that Bess made all the girls' clothes. Bess is Elizabeth's mom. Mm-hmm. So she was quite mm-hmm. the seamstress. So yeah. the fact that they got their hands on some blue yeah. broadcloth, which oh. is kind of a nice little fabric, will okay. make a pretty little dress, mm-hmm. and her mom is sewing away. So I think that's nice. Yeah. I'm sure there's a sewing machine that someone owns mm-hmm. that everybody uses, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because you know she doesn't have one. Right. So I think that's really cool. Um, my mom made all my clothes until I was 12 years old. Really? So I remember those days mm. of having to stand if we get pinned. And, okay. You know, it was fun. It was fun. Wish we had all those little clo- little Liz clothes. You know what I do have? You do? What? I, I have a quilt that okay. my mother made me yeah. of remnants of every outfit she <gasps> ever made. Really? Mm-hmm. I love that. It's in and the I closet. must see it. And every time I look at it, I can remember the outfit because mm-hmm. some of them God, were my that's favorite so wild. dresses. That's I know. great. Wasn't that sweet? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that, a great idea. I know. It's it's very it was very kind oh, for and thoughtful. Sure. Yeah. And after my father died, she took all of his ties mm. and made them into pillows for me. Oh wow. So I have three pillows down in our lounge that are really? all my dad and I picked the ties from the nineteen seventies. So they all had like the oranges and the browns oh, cool. and the gold. Right. And she made some for my brother from dad's ties from the 80s, which were all, all like right. blue and red. And, I love you it. Know, yeah, sure. Fun? Yeah, ties through the eras. So yeah, for good sure. ideas for things if right. you lose someone you love or as people grow out of things. So fun, fun projects. Yeah. April 22nd, 1933. Didn't do much of anything this morning, but fumed around. Ruby came over here and set my hair. After dinner, we went out to the store and played checkers. Henley was there. Had a little mess of fish for supper. Francis and I went by for Ruby and Cornell and went to the dance over at Oscar Redmond's. Reva wouldn't go. Henley brought me home. His horse was loose, and we had to walk home. Okay, I don't know what that means. The horse was loose and we had to walk home. Mm. I mean, did they did the horse Maybe leave? The horse did was she just... didn't did he not tie up the horse and the horse just right. went home and yeah, exactly. was That's like, what well, I was thinking. I guess yeah. we're walking. That's right. And I love that Reva wouldn't go. Even yeah. when she's not around her mom, she yeah. probably knows her mom wouldn't want her to go. Right. Because remember her mom is like, No, yes. you can't go. Re- yeah. But Oscar Redman. Okay. Okay. You, ne- you found I, him? This is a pretty cool story. He's born in June of 1905. He marries a woman named Emma Evans Martin, and she's one year older than him. They get married in December of 1928. So I discovered when he marries Emma that on the census, he has a stepson. And -hmm. it turned out she had been married before to a Mr. George Martin. And they had a little son named Alvin who was born in 1924. So I thought, oh, no. Mm-hmm. That's just four years from her son being born to her getting married to another man. So what happened to poor George mm-hmm. Martin? So I goes, uh, I go looking for him. Mm-hmm. Turns out he married Emma in 1922 when she was only 16 years old and he was 19. So again, everything's happening in a census year. So I didn't. Mm-hmm. I went to Emma's find a grave, mm-hmm. and every once in a while you get lucky, yes. and it says bio, and it yes. says yes, and boop. Gold so, mine. oh my God, I love those. Like, yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So I go to her bio, and all it says is that, you know, when she died, and that she was married to George Martin until he died, mm-hmm. and then she married Oscar Redman. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so he's dead. So let me go look for a death certificate for Mr. George Martin. Okay, so I'm looking for this death certificate, and I find it. From 1969. And I'm thinking, okay, that can't be right. Because he was supposed to die in the 1920s. 
mm -hmm. that she could marry Oscar Redman. Oh, right. So okay. how is he so, still alive in 1969? Okay. So I'm triple-checking. Yeah, because it's the same birthday okay. and the same name. So mm -hmm. I know it's not two George M. Martins born on the exact same city. Right, right. right. Same parents. Right, right. Okay, I'm like, what's going so on So what here? is it? Well, what happens was I think he runs mm -hmm. off and leaves her because uh -huh. he does marry a woman named Jewel Daniels in 1929, mm -hmm. and he divorces her in 1933. So I this found guy. that divorce record for him and Jewel. I never found a divorce record for him and Ev Emma Evans. I think he He's ran a off, and I think everyone said he died so that Emma Ooh. wouldn't have to live with my husband ran off on me. Mm. So I think when she married Oscar, she was still married oh, to George dear. Martin. I know, but it gets uh, even more interesting because when I found his death certificate from 1969, mm -hmm. George Martin died of a, quote, possible drowning, unquote. Well. How do you, you possibly can, drown? Well, when you I, could be. Well, when I was in the middle of this mm -hmm. mystery, I was talking to my husband Rob about it, and he goes, it's because they didn't find the body. Oh. <gasps> Oh, and I thought, oh, someone saw him off on the lake, he was swimming around, or, 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 and then he's gone. or there was a storm, and the boat came right. back, and he didn't. So could that be? I Otherwise, see. how would I you gotcha. go? Well, he possibly drowned. Yeah. Well, you would know. Well, he could have been. Somebody could have be... murdered him and then thrown him in the water. You, sure, th that happens on Dateline. Of course. Yeah. Oh my God, that happens. Every psychic Bumped says you'll find him by water. Yeah. Right. By but so okay. So then maybe they found the body, but mm -hmm. there was no water in the lungs, yeah, and yeah, they yeah. thought, well, he probably drowned, even though there's no water in the lungs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So possible. Uh, that's the vaguest death certificate. Huh. It's as bad as when they write natural causes and I the know. person's 45. I'm yeah. like, no, that's not a thing. Yeah. So isn't that weird? What a mystery. Huh. And okay, here's even more interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at this man's death certificate. He dies in Little Rock, by the way. Mm -hmm. So he left, you know, White County, and he's going on. So there's always someone listed on the death certificate as an informant. Right. So it's either the person who he, their next of kin kind of situation, or, or the person, person who... The person who found them, I think, deceased. Is it? I, it? Am I not correct? Where it says informant, that's what I always thought. Well... Oh, because I guess when Who I often see the spouse, it's they called the 911 or they called the doctor. Right. Well, okay. That's so what the, I thought. The, I, the informant yeah. on his death certificate was. Yeah. yeah. Let me look. But like a mailman or something. They can be different things. So, right. So, the, but the man on his was mm -hmm. named Eldon Evans. Mm hmm. Evans. Like Mr. Evans? Like his first wife's maiden oh. name. Oh. <laughs> so. I don't even, I can't connect these dots. Okay, yeah. So her name was Emma Evans Martin Redman, right? So she's Emma Evans when she's a little girl. Okay. She marries George Martin. Okay. He runs off and leaves her. She lies. Everybody, he died. And then she okay. marries the Redman. But mm. when this dude is found uh -huh. 45 years later, possibly <laughs> drowning in a lake, the informant is a man with the last name Evans. Right. Which tracks Could it all be the family? Yes. Could it be that he. It was a whole scam. Somehow. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Or that somehow, like, the Evans family in Little Rock knew about this guy. Mm -hmm. and, like, we right. found George Martin. Right. He's actually living in Little he Rock. And they're like, well, alive. why don't you go possibly drown him? Right. <laughs> right. 
Interesting. I don't know, but I thought that well, was a Nancy lot Drew. of fun. Well, it's a very tragic story. I always hate to say that was fun because <laughs> it's tragic. But that was a lot of fun to research. Yeah, I'm like, I can see the rabbit trying. hole you went down there. It was great. No doubt. Yeah, so good. So I don't know what happened with Emma and George Weird. Martin, but it wasn't good. Wow. And I don't think I even looked for their son. So I don't know because it's not, this is not uh-huh. the family I'm researching. But yeah, huh. good one. Good fun story. Well, again, tragic. Sad story. <laughs> I wish I could do a Dateline impression like, but, but oh no, he possibly drowned. Yes. Who does that? Bill Hader? Yeah, oh, he does a great... Uh, He's the best. But who's the man? Bill Hader. No, 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 but who's the actual... Um, Morrison. Morris, Morrison. Yes, yes, yes. You, uh, Richard Morrison? No, 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 no. Oh, everybody who's listening to this what podcast hates us right now. I don't know. Morris, Keith Morrison. Oh, there you go. Is it? Yes. Do you know he's the stepfather to the guy from Friends, Chandler? He's his Hold stepfather. Hold on. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Yeah. He's well, the stepfather I, of Chandler? Yeah. The actor who plays Chandler who, which on one Friends. Was that? I he can't was remember. the one who had the spiky hair, who was always like sarcastically funny. You know, there was the one who would be like, how are you doing? Uh-huh. Remember, Joey. Yeah. And then there was the dorky one who was Monica's brother. Yeah. And then Chandler. And, um, I, the I can see kid. Matthew Perry. Perry. Yeah. Look at you knowing names. Yep. I'm That's him. With so it. his stepfather is Keith Morrison. Oh, okay. Yeah. So okay. fun Hollywood that facts. little rabbit hole we This woman down. on Instagram really hates this episode today. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So okay, anyway. So anyway, on to the next. April 26, 1933. Ironed down at Aunt Edda's this morning. After dinner, we cleaned the kitchen and how. It took us all afternoon, and I am so tired. I'm going straight to bed. I'm absolutely too tired to rest well, though. There's a party up at Imogene Hicks tonight, but that doesn't put any butter on my toast. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I think... This name, Imogene Hicks, mm-hmm. is it because I've heard these entries now a million times, or have we talked about her before? I think she was the chatty Cathy. No, that was um, Inez Brown. Oh, okay, Inez Brown. <laughs> yeah. But I can't I, so recall I, who Imogene Me either, is, and I keep a big book, and I'll I write down do, yes. every name of uh-huh. everybody and what episode, uh-huh. and I could, she wasn't she on my list. She's not there? So, Imogene um, Hicks. But I think the reason why was because I had such a hard time finding her. Well, she doesn't put any butter on Elizabeth's toast. Yeah, so, so why maybe. should we even talk about her? But I did find two Imogene Hicks in Arkansas. Oh. One was in Little Rock and one was in White County. So okay. I figured I got to stick yeah. with the White County girl. But two yeah. Imogene Hicks born yeah, in the same yeah, year. Yeah, that is odd. Yeah, for sure. Whatever. Well, our Imogene, I think, was born in April of 1917. Mm-hmm. She was the only child of Ira and Effie Hicks. Mm-hmm. And you'll never guess what her dad did for a living. Mm-hmm. He was a farmer. Mm-hmm. Side note, when Effie dies, because, mm-hmm. you know, you find so many things when you're looking for research. So I found Effie Hicks's obituary. Mm-hmm. And the person in charge of the music for her funeral was Clyde Froud. Really? Mentions it in the obituary. Isn't that something? And we had gotten that email from a fraud that after Clyde got saved uh-huh. down at one of those tent That's revivals, right. he became a big Very singer in the church. Man, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And was a great singer. And enough oh, to get mentioned right. in the obituary. Isn't that something how everything ties together? I know. 
with this diary. So now we have proof of that being true. And another little side note, Imogene Hicks will marry a man named Robert Burnett in mm-hmm. August of 1939. And in the 1940 census, they're both still living with her parents. Mm. When he registers for the draft in World War II, his draft card says he's a cotton ginner. Yeah, they don't have a, a, a picture of his card. Uh-huh. Usually you can see it and yeah. it'll list addresses and things. Yeah, um, yeah. And they, they didn't have an address, so I'm not sure, but that, I'm pretty sure it's our Imogene and not the Little Rock. Well, that makes Imogene. total sense. Yes. It's, it's hard to tell. But then, of course, they're abducted sense. by aliens. Of course. And, and then they disappear off else. the face of the earth. Yes, <laughs> they do. They did. They're gone right. forever. But I thought it might be really interesting to talk very, very briefly about what a cotton gin even is. Okay. Because not everybody knows. We do because we're in, we live in the South. Mm-hmm. But real quick. A cotton gin is a machine for cleaning cotton of its seeds, and it was invented in the United States by Eli Whitney in 1793, and the cotton gin is an example of invention directly called forth by an immediate demand. I mean, everybody mm. wanted Sea Island cotton, which you can mm-hmm. still get today, which is grown was grown right here mm-hmm. in South Carolina. And you know what's even more interesting? Eli Whitney invented the cotton gin in America, Mm -hmm. but there were already cotton gins in Mm. China and India Mm. that other people had invented before Eli Whitney. Mm. And I always think it's really cool when everybody has the same idea at the same time, like flying Mm -hmm. or like, you Mm -hmm. know, the Oppenheimer movie, building the bomb, everyone or like looking for a vaccine for a disease. Everyone's doing everything at the same time because they have to. Yeah. And I I think that's such a beautiful moment in history Mm -hmm. when the world yeah. It's like, who can fly first? Who can drive first? Right. Who can invent a yeah. cotton gin? I think it's pretty cool. Eli Whitney was actually from Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And he was visiting a friend in the South when he learned of the problem and quickly figured out how to solve it. He was actually inspired by slaves mm-hmm. because they were using brushes that they had invented that they would brush through the cotton. So he thought if he could make it a rotating spinner of okay. like metal teeth, yeah. and it just kind of the cotton just yeah. filters through it and it pulls the seeds out. And it was a simple little invention. And it could be powered by people or by mm-hmm. animals or mm-hmm. around here by water. Yep. And it was a huge credit to what would become the huge cotton cultivation uh-huh. of America. And we live in Charleston, South Carolina. I'm a tour guide here, and I talk about this every single solitary day on my tour. It's mm-hmm. my favorite fact to give yeah. people because I love to watch your eyes go real big. In 1796, The cotton gin was brand new. He invented it three years ago. It had just gotten its patent. Not everybody has one or even knows how to use it. But that year, South Carolina managed to export 94,000 pounds of cotton. Mm. And that's a lot. Mm -hmm. And then everyone thought, I'm Mm -hmm. getting me a gin. And just four years later, Mm -hmm. in 1800, South Carolina exported 20 million. Whoa. I know. In 1810, wow. 50 million pounds of cotton. And the cotton gin. Because of that cotton gin. Amazing. And by 1850, the United States is supplying 60% of the world's okay. cotton. And there will be more Isn't millionaires per capita in Mississippi than anywhere else in the world. Ah, I see. Isn't that yeah, interesting? Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. And Pangburn is the city eight miles away from Steprock. Was the cotton ginning capital of White County. I'm not sure it might be Arkansas, but that's what they were known for. How interesting. They had three big cotton gins. What I find this interesting, when I say these dates, like uh, 1796 and 1804 and 1810, Mm -hmm. that's the time in America where we are starting to get rid of the slave trade. Not Mm. slavery, Mm -hmm. but when our founding fathers wrote the Constitution... 
There was no way they were going to free the slaves. There was no way they were going to put that in the Constitution. Mm -hmm. But they had to make Mm -hmm. a deal with the South, and they had to make the South – because they wanted to abolish slavery, but they couldn't because of the southern states. So they made a deal, and they're like, fine, you can keep your slaves, but you only have 20 more years of the slave trade. There will be no more importation of human lives. Really? Of course, they give them 20 years. Right, right. <laughs> Not like three. Um, so they had 20 years. So from So the 20 years would end in 1808. Mm-hmm. And those last four years from 1804 to 1808, mm-hmm. 90,000 enslaved people were mm. brought to Charleston. Mm. 54,000 were brought to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And I don't have any other southern port numbers. Yeah. But those last four years when they realized, oh, shoot, mm-hmm. the slave trade's ending, they were bringing Pump them in them in through. the biggest numbers ever. Yikes. And I learned that fact from Dr. Nick Butler at the mm-hmm. Charleston Museum, because I have to take classes all the time uh, to keep my tour license. And he did a whole thing about mm-hmm. slavery that, mm-hmm. I mean, just had me just like melting into my chair of like, this is so horrible. Mm-hmm. And he has a podcast called The Charleston Time Machine. It's really, really cool. Sweet. So if you're ever, if you love history, you're going to love Dr. Nick Butler. And I'm pretty sure he did a podcast on this very stuff. So, interesting. But it's interesting that the end of the slave uh-huh. trade is happening with the boom of cotton uh-huh. when you need more slaves than ever. Right. And the cotton gin comes in to take some of that burden of not needing right. as many people. Mm-hmm. So when they talk about the immediate need, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily so they can make more cotton. It's because right. they're going to be losing hands. Right. 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 Interesting. I yeah. Know. They saw it coming. They sure did. April 27th, 1933. After dinner, Francis and I went to Ruby's. We got her and went to the river to fish. Didn't get a chance. I saw a snake and Ruby killed it came home and got ready to go to the musical. Francis didn't go, but Leon did. There wasn't anyone over there. We came back and played the Victrola at Aunt Etta's. April 29th, 1933. Picked berries for Uncle Clyde and Bert Myers this morning. Got seven quarts. Aunt Netta, Doyne, and Mona Jean came over a while. Doyne and I talked to Francis in the kitchen a while. After he had gone, Henley came over to the store. I went out there, and he was still on the porch, but I didn't even get to speak. April 30th, 1933. We've been living a whole year in Step Rock. Gee, I wish we could move. Have to start picking strawberries steady now. Hope I get to make some money. So, yeah, as soon as I read that April 29th where she was picking berries, I'm like, here we go, berry season. Because they arrived, they actually arrived on May 1st. And they got started on May 2nd, as I recall. Yes. So here we come. We're picking berries again. Yikes. Yuck. May 1st, 1933. Picked seven quarts of berries, and Francis and I together packed nine cases this morning. After dinner, I washed my hair and just fiddled around. Alfred invited Francis and me to a dance at John's tonight, but it was too stormy. We made some grand divinity after supper and wrote to Bill. Saul. Saul? <laughs> she just she writes that's S, all? S apostrophe A-L-L. Like, that's all. But that's I love Saul. She, she's picked up some vernacular I from someone that. and has decided to put it in the diary. Saul. It's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> and I said divinity, right, which made you me did. happy. And now me I realize too. Alfred must be a person because he invited her and uh, Francis to okay, a dance. Yeah, Alfred's a person with his records. I'll have to go. Yes. I'll have to go look for Alfred. Alfred. 
Hey guys, it's Liz and Mark in the editing booth. We're getting real good at doing this <laughs> every episode. So Mark, this isn't a usual recording day. What are you doing at your house? I am editing my grandma's diaries. Well, um, imagine that. So am yeah. I. <laughs> yeah. But dur- on this episode, we talked about Alfred. And at first yeah. I thought Alfred's was a store. And right. then I realized later he was a person. And then I felt kind of guilty that I just kind of let Alfred go. And then I thought, what if he's one of the most exciting people we've ever met? Good like point. Troy Neal. <laughs> so right. I decided to go look him up. And so I just wanted to include this and not save it for a bonus episode because this is the sure. one and only time we meet Mr. Alfred, but Mr. Alfred Alvin Allgood was born in Step Rock in April of 1908. He was one of 10 children of Samuel and Aura Allgood. And one of those 10 kids was also named Fred. So we have a Fred and an Alfred. <laughs> they couldn't throw a Scott in there or something. That made my Maybe work. they were twins. No, no, not at all. That would have been nice. Like Tony, and, Tony and Anthony, yes. <laughs> yeah, that was mean. And it made my research yeah. super, super hard. Uh, Anyways, right. whatever. Okay. But so Alfred is a little older than Elizabeth and the gang, uh-huh. um, but he's still single. Oh, and I found a picture. So we'll have a picture of him. Oh, and when I found okay. it on somebody's ancestry account, they called uh-huh. him Alfred Alvin Fatty Allgood. (laughs) And I thought, no, please don't let him be fat. Please just let him have a big old head. No, he was yeah. he was a little chunky. He was a little okay. Bless his little well, heart. And then I found out on his World War II draft card he was only five five. So the poor man, chunky and a stout little yeah, man. So they called him fatty to his face, <laughs> and that was well, that makes me so mad. Maybe that's why well, in 1932, this is Fatty Arbuckle days. I think remember you, Fatty Arbuckle. You are a hundred percent right. It, uh-huh. it is his time. So maybe that's yeah. why I still I don't know. Right. I think it's mean. You know, like red. <laughs> It's okay. Yeah. (laughs) Well, hopefully he survived. But we're we are meeting him in 1933. He's still an unmarried man, and I I mean, maybe he could lose a few pounds. I don't know. I'm sure he's happy. (laughs) But he hightails it out of Step Rock, and he moves Uh to Oklahoma. And there, at the age of 29, he'll marry an 18 year old girl named Juanita White. All right. Yeah. But here's another thing: when he registered for the draft, he said that he didn't have a middle name. He puts like Alfred, Uh no middle name. All good, but uh-huh, he he uh-huh. he did. It was Alvin. I think he didn't well, know his own middle he name. He didn't know. Yeah, he yeah. didn't want to put fatty. <laughs> yeah, well, who would? Um, but I thought that was kind of sad. But in 1950, he's a car salesman out there in the Oklahoma, and he and Juanita have three children. But he dies in 1954, and his youngest uh-huh. child is, I think, six or seven when he dies. So that's kind of tragic. But somehow mm-hmm. his wife ends up in Florida, married to a man named Bud Hopkins Allen. She marries him in 1957 and divorces him in 1960. Little Juanita, well, she dies in the 1970s, and her full Mm -hmm. name, Juanita Allgood Adams, is on her tombstone, even though she only married him for three years. And it ended in divorce. So I would be like, leave that name off. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. It's kind of weird. I tried to find Bud Hopkins Adams, but I can't. There are a million Bud Uh, Adams in Florida. So anyway, Uh I just didn't want um, little Alfred, little fatty. Little Alfred, yeah. (laughs) To go go without his little moment. So I wanted to call and share that with you. And I'm going to go drop it into the podcast right now. All right. Good. Uh, I'm glad Fatty has his 15 minutes. (laughs) Yes. And have fun editing while I'm editing. All right. Okay. Thanks, Mark. All right. 
Bye. Talk to you later. Bye. Are we really hanging up? Oh, yeah. I, I like to get that doot, doot, doot. Okay, ready? So you Here hang up. Okay. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. So Barry's, one of my nightmares is if, if this ever gets made into a movie that they'll, you know, she'll be out picking berries and there'll be these huge berries, you know, the size uh, of your fist. Like but, you get from Sherry's berries with a chocolate yes, on them? Yes, those. Yeah, they're but ridiculous. they're not. I mean, these are tiny, teeny little berries, you know. These are not. It's like the, how fruit used to be. That's apples right. Apples weren't as big as apples are the, now. It's not natural. I can, I can so buy a red delicious unnatural. apple about the size of my head. No kidding. I'm that's like, not that's right. Not, the apples are it's hand not size. good. Anyway. Yeah, anyway. that Yeah, that's an another conversation for jeff shapiro mm-hmm. <laughs> but berries were small seven quarts was a lot that's a lot and you know and you're pinching and you're capping yeah. them and yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a lot it's, it's a uh, lot may 2nd 1933 francis and i went to the store wenzel and carnell came out there and we all talked francis and i walked to peace with them sat down at the corner and talked a berry picker a male came by and talked to us After supper, Francis and I sat on the store porch a while. There's a tent show at Martin's tonight. Okay, here comes the tent. There's a tent show? A religious tent revival? Well, I know that in this summer we are going to bump into those tent revivals. Yes. And I'm wondering if the tent show isn't already there, because otherwise, what's a tent show? Well, who was Martin, though? Maybe it was on his land? There's, There's a, a tent, tent show well, at Martin's tonight. I guess tonight. he's sponsoring yeah, it. Like, you can be. set up the tent in my could field be. and come and praise the Lord. Yeah. And well, if you're listening, we haven't gotten to that part yet. No, no. Yeah, but it's coming. We we know it's there's some... Oh, it's real interesting. Yeah. But I think huh, this is so... Anyway, for There's all y'all listening, there, keep yeah. your, keep that tent. There's, this is a different kind of tent. Right. This isn't like, Revival. you know... So, yeah, we'll find out more yeah. about that. Anyway. May 3rd, 1933. Picked berries this morning picked nine quarts and helped pack ten cases. After supper, Henley and Boyce came tonight. Henley and I rode down to the corner on their horses, came back and sat under the cedar tree. May 6, 1933. Hazel came over here and talked to us while we did the breakfast dishes, picked berries after dinner, got 11 quarts, and we packed 20 cases. Doyne ate supper with us. After he left, we walked down the road. We had to run away from boys yelling at us, ran through the fields. What I love about that entry mm-hmm. is she says in it, they yelled at us, and mm-hmm. she writes something, and in quotes, mm-hmm. like something that they were saying, yeah. and I can't read you it can't to save my it. life, but it looks like Mary something. Okay. Like, I don't, I don't know what it was, but yeah, I'm sure that knows? had to be a little, almost yeah. scary. Yeah, I don't know creepy. if she thought it was cute, right? But they ran through the fields to get away from him. Yeah, who so, knows? If, oh, yeah. I hate that she wonder, felt vulnerable like ew. that. But yeah, I, I thought that was we interesting. Had to run, yeah, right. May seventh, nineteen thirty three. Billy Froud, Wenzel, and Doyne came over. We all went walking together. Leon, Wenzel, Francis, Billy, and I rode with Harry to the youth group. We rode clear to the Roosevelt Church. Henley sat beside me in youth group and brought me home on his horse. I believe I like him better. Oh, dear. So that's Harry the mail carrier that I couldn't find before. Harry the mail carrier. Yeah, so Harry's giving him a ride to church. Yes, he is. So I'm still, I'm thinking I'm right that Harry had to have been a farmer around there who also carried the mail. Probably. So I might be closer to finding Harry. There's just so many damn Harrys. So 
she came home on the horse. Yeah. So I'm like, she said we like, rode clear up to Roosevelt Church. Yeah, we know if it was a is. long car ride, how long of a horse ride was it? And mm-hmm. I Googled it, and it was six miles. Oh, really? That's a long journey okay. for a horse. Riding on the that back, holding way. on to Henley's waist. Or no maybe kidding. she sat up in front of him, uh-huh. and he was like all like snuggling up on, she's yep. like leaning back on him. Mm-hmm. No spoilers, but fun fact, mm-hmm. Henley Caps is buried in the cemetery next to the Roosevelt Church. Oh, Henley. Isn't that creepy to think about? No, like, he as never I'm left it, Step Rock. I know. Actually, he did and I guess for a little bit. He, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But then he, but yeah, he's, he's buried, buried right there. They all are. Right where he went to youth group and was yeah. sitting with Elizabeth. That's right. Not right ever there. thinking that right out those windows, yep. that's where he did. that D-E-D. D-E-D. Oh, so sad. Yeah. May 8th, 1933. Went to the berry patch this morning and picked 11 quarts. Leon brought us our lunch. Francis and I packed 24 cases. Had a letter from Pee Wee today. After supper, Henley and Boyce came to the store on their horses, but we didn't see them. They went on to church, I think. Okay, so when I read that, and mm-hmm. just the day before they'd been at youth group, I'm like, mm-hmm. how long, what day of the week is this? And this is a Monday. Mm-hmm. May 8th is a Monday. Okay. So they're heading to church they got to be going to the tent revival. That's oh. church on a Monday. Because when other would these farm people? Are. So I'll bet they're, that church revival sets And I'm up surprised shop, that like, Elizabeth hasn't summer. gone yet if Henley's going. I'm surprised she didn't say, I have to, I'm feeling the Lord. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I suddenly it. need that so, six-mile horse ride with Henley up to see the Lord. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> May 10th, 1933. Henley came to see me after supper all by himself. We went down to Aunt Edda's and listened to Harry and James Froud play. Boyce came for a few minutes. So that's exciting. Henley came all by himself. He didn't have his, you know, his, his wingman yeah, right. <laughs> with him. And then wing they, man. so there's Harry and James Froud play. I, I don't so know So now that. I'm wondering if Harry is a Froud. I think this is all happening live in my head okay. as I read it. Yeah. We listened to Harry and James Froud I'm going to find out where James Froud was living on the census and then uh-huh. see if I can find a Harry. So while on May 10th, um, Elizabeth is having a lovely night listening to people play music, but not so great things are happening in Germany because, you oh. know, I, I'm obsessed. On May 10th of 1933, the National Socialist German Students League enthusiastically carried out the destruction of German books on college campuses across the country. These would be books written by the likes of Albert Einstein and Helen Keller. Because mm-hmm. remember, they wanted to euthan- not euthanize, that's the wrong word. They wanted to sterilize mm-hmm. blind and deaf people right. so they wouldn't make more blind and deaf people. Right. Right. So if you see a blind wow. deaf person being successful in the world, well, that's the first book you're going to burn, right? Jeez. I hate it so much. Yeah. But they didn't just stop there. Also in May of that same, in 1933, the Berlin chapter of the German Student Union made an organized attack on the Magnus Hirschfeld's Institute of Sex Research. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of this place. No. This place had been around for a long time, and it was one of the first institutes to actually study transgender people or mm-hmm. people who had body dysmorphia, mm-hmm. uh, even people who just didn't feel like they 
were comfortable in their own skin. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was the first place where you could go hmm. and people would listen to you and say, well, let's see how we can help you. Hmm. Like maybe we can either help you be comfortable in the skin you have or help you live your life mm-hmm. in a different way. Okay. And when these German students attacked this institute, it is assumed that Doris Richt, the very first transgender woman to have undergone sex reassignment surgery, was killed during this attack. She was there because this was one of the only places where someone of that community could Mm -hmm. go and get a job. Yeah. Like the the, the gays, the trans. And she was a domestic servant. She was Mm -hmm. probably a cook. Mm -hmm. There were rumors after she had died that she had escaped to Prague and ran a restaurant there. But I I don't know that that's the truth. Well, there are no real records about that, and she never was able to later say, I'm her, mm-hmm. you know, I, I survived, which would have been important in, like, the 50s. Well, and, you know, the Nazis uh, needed somebody to start to hate, you know. Yeah, uh, and that was, that was an easy, vulnerable yeah, group of people. That's right. Which is super sad. There's, there, are, there are some pictures of her that I'm going to put on our um, Patreon. But mm-hmm. the Institute Library included over 20 thousand unique works on intersexuality or homosexuality or transgender topics so a huge canon mm. of research wow. just disappeared really and we're starting from scratch damn i know and you know the saddest thing that i read was in one of these articles mm. about the book burning some of the german students were so mad because it rained that night where they were and they had to burn their books later oh god Wow. uh, Rained out of your book. I want to go slap them all. I think we can all slap Nazis safely without getting canceled, right? (laughs) I don't know around this country these days. (laughs) It's hard. But yeah, so I thought that was really super tragic. But that's what's coming. Uh It's what's coming for Elizabeth, what's coming for Germany. So I always think those little tidbits are important. Very. May 13th, 1933. Picked berries this morning. Got 12 quarts. Francis and I packed 25 cases this afternoon. Talked to Boyce at the store when we got home. Tonight, Henley came over. We rode down to the corner on his horse. The folks got riled. Didn't know where I was. We came back and quarreled. He'd been drinking. Left mad. Oh, Henley. I know, but this whole entry confuses me because she goes, she's riding on a horse with him. She would already know if he'd been drinking. Yeah. So she comes back and her parents are mad. Uh Where have you been? Yeah. Get off that horse. Blah, blah, blah. And then Henley, what suddenly she just, maybe her embarrassment, she turned it on him. Yeah. And then said, have you even been drinking? You shouldn't. I don't understand what happened. Yeah. But poor Henley left mad. He had just come all the way by himself, didn't bring his wingman to take her horseback riding. So that was a little confusing I to me. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And <laughs> then I wondered if it was like the folks got riled, didn't know where I was. We came back and quarreled. Is she quarreling with her with folks? With her folks? Or, yeah. That's so it's a, a real confusing entry. Yeah. It's, again. Welcome to your world, right? Yes. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. May 15th, 1933. Uncle Clyde told us we'd have to put all our tickets on the grocery bill. I cried a lot this morning. Had an early dinner and went to the berry patch. Picked 14 quarts. Francis and I packed 13 cases. Hope everything turns out in the end. All right. So the yeah, Uncle. Cl- so explain to us. Uncle Clyde told us we'd have to put all our tickets on the grocery bill. Yeah, you and I have been leading up to this reality for mm-hmm. a long time that you didn't get paid in cash. Right. You got paid in tickets. Yeah. So they're going to the store with their tickets saying, can I have five cents to buy some candy? And Uncle Clyde's like, dude, 
you owe too much money, yeah. you get nothing. Yeah. And she cries and cries and cries because I can imagine that when they got these tickets, they probably let the girls have five, ten cents, mm-hmm. you know, to have like some mm-hmm. mad money. Maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, they've been working. They deserve a little something. This is so where. When, when she says he'd have to pull all our tickets on the grocery bill. What, put. Put all our tickets. We'd have to put all our tickets uh-huh. on the grocery bill. Yeah. So that's just paying de- the debt. Yeah. They, yeah. I mean, those work shoes she just bought. Yeah. Uh, anything they buy at the store, the marble cake recipe right, stuff. That, right, That's chocolate that she had to yeah, buy. Yeah, I mean, we know. Making and a now, marble cake. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were... I mean, yeah, things are things are looking worse than mm-hmm. they were before because right. now they can't even... They owe money. Well, we're going to get to mm-hmm. it. And then, you know, just a fun fact. Mm-hmm. On May 15th of 1933, 11, an 11-year-old boy started a fire with some paper inside a garage in Auburn, Maine, and started a blaze that destroyed 239 buildings and left 1,500 people homeless. Oh, oh my God. That, great, that was a child like, from hell. I know. <laughs> when they say don't play with matches, no kidding. kids. May 17th, 1933. Went to the berry patch this morning and picked seven quarts. Got to feeling bad. Just fooled around most of the afternoon. After supper, Francis and I were sitting on the store porch talking to Morris. Boyce and Henley came and took us riding. Sixteen times I've been with him. <laughs> I think that means they held hands and they just walked know, or yeah, sat rode under the, horse. the cedar tree. One That's was a date. riding the horse from mm-hmm. yeah, right. Yeah, she's keeping track. She keeps track she in keeps the back track. of her diaries of all these boys. Keeps a tally. And every once in a while, when we look at those tallies, it'll be like Jeff five times. We're like, who the hell is Jeff? <laughs> right. We didn't even we, see him. Yeah, she, he was yeah. a little. I know. Yeah, so I think on. that's funny. But see, I mean, I haven't seen her be with him sixteen times. But I guess you know the well, horse and the youth yeah, group. It all adds up. It all counts up. Um, Morris is a mystery. I, I yeah. don't know who that is. He, that's a name that popped up. I can't find a Morris her age mm. around there. So I boom. haven't heard that. Yeah. But on this day in, of May 18th, FDR is already working hard for the country. He signs the Tennessee Valley Authority Act. The Tennessee Valley Authority Act's primary mission was mm-hmm. to provide electricity generation. Mm-hmm. We just talked mm-hmm. about this. And they wanted to make hydroelectric power plants along the Tennessee River and its tributaries mm-hmm. and distribute this energy to rural areas uh-huh. that didn't have it. Hmm. They also were working on flood control and economic development by trying to improve the infrastructure to the people around there and to lift up the local community. And my favorite part of this act is the environmental stewardship clause. The TVA is also tasked with managing the environmental impact of its operations to include protecting wildlife and sustaining the natural resources around. You got to love that administration, don't you? I do. Yeah. I mean, I just do. Yeah, they, tur- the they turned it around. The fact that even in the 1930s, they're like, but don't kill the animals. Yeah, right. Don't destroy the yeah, river, don't, yeah, but let's right. help these people. Yeah, right. I love this man. I want to go back in time and just hug him. He's my favorite. He's my favorite, too. May 19th, 1933. Went to the berry patch this morning. I packed 10 cases. Spent the afternoon getting ready to go to the carnival. All us kids went with Bill Sumter on his truck. Had a good time. Saw everyone. Tommy, Wayne, Herschel, and Doris, therefore. Spent five cents on hamburger, Coca-Cola, and popcorn. Got home late. Okay. You're going to have to clue uh-huh. me into that. I know. Because when I saw it, when I was making this podcast yeah. and I well, saw her name, I went ding, 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 ding. 
because I know who Doris marries. Who? who? Well, and well, we, we know are. we've met her husband in this diary. So she's a very pretty lady, and no wonder Elizabeth is feeling competition uh. for her. But here's a fun fact: I know who Doris marries, mm-hmm. but. She won't be his first wife. Oh. She'll be someone's second wife, even though she's Do we a know pretty... the first one's first I... person? No. Oh, okay. Mm-mm. We know the second person. But we know the second person. Doris. So isn't that interesting? Therefore. So Doris probably, um, and I'll tell you, it's one of the guys in the entry. Okay. And she is probably in love with him at that moment. Really? And so then. Uh, okay. Bill, Tommy, Wayne, or Herschel. One of those? Yep. Okay. Yeah, but. She'll have to be. So she, she'll, she'll, skip, she was probably devastated when they got married the first time. First, yeah. But then when they got a divorce, was probably like, yeah, hi, now I got come on over here. You got it right. Yeah. That's right. Right. <laughs> Spent five cents on a hamburger. Really? I guess I was right. They must have given him five cents here. Like, yeah, here's right. A, here's a nickel. Yeah. Go to the Spent carnival. Five cents. I yeah, bet. Yeah. You know, and I bet if anything, their mom had it like in her little probably sewing box. So. And was like, here's Absolutely. A, here's a nickel. Here, yeah. I mm-hmm. saved it for you. Aw. But yeah, so Doris. Ha ha ha. She was probably waiting on that hamburger, Coca-Cola, and popcorn for <laughs> really for like two weeks oh, sitting you, on that dime. Are or you kidding me? You know, that, that was, was a, like a, that was a luxury. Are you, yeah, having right. having a Coca-Cola yeah. and a hamburger. I know, right? Oh my god! It's probably just like the little hamburgers you mm-hmm. can get at McDonald's today. Mm-hmm. Probably nothing has changed. A little mm-hmm. flat piece of yeah. greasy yeah. cardboard. That's good, good stuff. <laughs> good stuff. May twentieth, nineteen thirty-three. Stayed at the store most of the morning. Thought I'd have to pick berries, but didn't. Capped some, though. Went to the berry patch this afternoon, and Francis and I packed five cases. Then we picked some to eat. Got home and lay around. Henley passed, going to the carnival. After supper, all of us laid on a quilt and played with Helen. I think Tommy came up. So this is interesting. Yeah. Henley didn't stop and say, hey, let's go to the carnival. He just went. He just went on right past her. Maybe he was I'm working there. Was he working at the club? Oh, I don't know. I'm just thinking he and Tommy are talking. And he's like, I've been hanging out with Elizabeth. Oh, and Tommy's like, really? I've been hanging out with I've been hanging out with mm-hmm. So, so I, mm-hmm. I think we're starting to see a little rupture. And then, remember on Fisher. a previous episode uh-huh. when Herbert Hoover was in office, all these World War I veterans came to the mall. And they were like, give us our yeah. money. We need it. And so he called the cops and a bunch of them died. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and he like shot into the rallying uh-huh. crowd. Uh-huh. Well, they were called the bonus army. And they okay. were the ones after World War One who thought, hey, we're in a depression. We'll take our benefits now. Uh-huh. And they were like, no, 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 you're not supposed to get them until Can't later. But they were like, but we are desperate and we almost died for this country. Right. So can you help a brother out? Right. And her, her, Hoover said no and saw to some of them dying. Uh, so on gotcha. May of 1930, May 22nd of 1933, mm. there's a new administration. The Bonus Army tries again, and they march on to the mm. mall, and they are asking for redemption of the bonuses that were actually due in 1945. So they mm. just wanted them like you know, 12 years early. And it was because of the de- depression and what have you. But now, this time, there's a much more level-headed leader mm. in the office, and he offered them all jobs. He created the Civilian Conservation Corps, and the marchers' encampment in Virginia became the Civilian Conservation Corps Forestry Camp. On the day they showed up, he's like, I got a deal for you. And anyone who wanted the job could have the job. And if you didn't want it, he's like, I'll pay for your bus ride home. And this was a forestry 
Yes. And, and Louis benefited from that because the, the railroad ties were forest, you know, that was wood. Yes. Everybody just benefited from everybody else working. Yes. But this, but FDR was like, whoa, 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 I yeah. hear you. I can't give you, your, you the money work. that then. But I have to wait till 1945. Done. It all makes total sense. Yes. And this is what they did. It was a part of the New Deal program to lift the United States out of the Depression. And the CCCs, as they were called, allowed single men between the ages of 18 and 25 to enlist in work programs to improve America's public lands, forests, and parks. And for Mm. many, just the prospect of three meals in a bed were enough to get these young men to enroll, as jobs and income were so scarce. And the CCC, for a lot of these men, was their first job. Mm -hmm. And enlisters would make $30 a month, 25 of which would be sent right to their families, while the other five was for the worker to keep. So he already had three meals in a bed and Uh a job and his little Uh $5 which is all he needed because he was, right. you know, and just working to help his family. Right, huh. right. Thank you, FDR. Uh, it's just, in, yeah. Education opportunities were also an added bonus of joining the CCC. In fact, many completed their high school education while serving. Leadership advancement positions with increase in pay were also available to these guys. So, yeah. Fuck you, Hoover. Yeah. That's how you lead. Yeah. That's how you do it. I almost yeah. feel like I have a personal vendetta against this man that I, I never. Might. Yeah, but I, I just don't no. like him. He's worthy of all your vendetta. He is because, geez, Lord. I know. I know. And then they're preserving America's lands. Yeah. This is this is great news. Yeah, it is. I mean, what if we just were nice and helped the world? <laughs> right. I know. Anyway, May twenty second, nineteen thirty three. Francis and I got left when they went to Sunday school this morning. We sat out on a quilt read the paper, and talked to C. After dinner, we saw Tommy and Jesse pass. Tommy came over and sat with us about five minutes. Tommy's home for a while. (laughs) When I first read that, I'm like, did they get left? Or did they like, I'm not quite ready yet on purpose. So they didn't have to go. They could just spend some time on the quilt, maybe hoping that Tommy would come around. I got Francis Um, and I got left. This person, his name is C, like the letter C. Who's he? I don't know. His name is C. If you oh. want to be mean to find you, have a name like Charles or something. <laughs> I don't know. So C. Yeah. I'll never find him. But he, she says Tommy's home for a while. Uh-huh. I don't know where Tommy goes. He works in Cersei. And sometimes he's in Bald Knob. Yeah. I mean, Tommy kind of comes and he goes. He goes around. I don't know but where his family, on the census, yeah. his family lives in Hartzell, which is four miles away from Step Rock. So everything seems to be four miles away from Step Rock. He, they live in Hartzell? Mm-hmm. Which is part of White County. It's just another little town okay. in White County. Yeah, although he lives on Step Rock Road. Yeah. Yeah, so okay. I find that really interesting, too. You know, maybe the reason that now we're seeing more of Tommy uh-huh. is because he's in town. And you, we know her uh-huh. love interest is proximital. Is that a word? <laughs> no, but Whoever it makes sense. she can reach out and touch is her yes, boyfriend. That's right. <laughs> May 24th, 1933. Went to the berry patch this morning and picked six quarts. Francis and I packed eight cases and then picked some to eat. After two o'clock dinner, one of the Evans berry pickers came and took our pictures. Talked to two more of them, thought they would never leave, sat around, and then she came back with her autograph book. Tommy came by, Henley and Boyce came, Henley left. I guess he's mad. Well, I... Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. 
Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. I would think so. Mm. If Tommy's over there being all handsome and Henley and his wingman show up yeah. and there's Tommy Bird. Mm-hmm. Mm. All his hotness. Awkward. Yeah. May 25th, 1933. Francis and I went to the little well for water. After dinner, we washed. It's only a little after eight now, but I'm going to bed. I'm so tired. It looks rainy. I got a letter from Joe Gentle in Austin, Minnesota, from writing my name on a berry court. Thrills! Uh, it's I like think a message in a bottle. It's exactly that. I think that's adorable. And Joe mm-hmm. Gentle was easier to find than I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, back in those days, you didn't need an address. It yeah, would just be right. Elizabeth Hartzell, uh, White County Farms, or yeah. whatever the pa- patch sign came from. Yes. And the postmaster, Harry, <laughs> right. was like, oh, that's for Elizabeth. I'll take it to her. Yeah. This, uh, yes. Anyway, um, <laughs> Joseph John Gentle was born in June of 1902 in Chicago, Illinois, to Italian immigrants from Sicily. Their names were Michael and Rosie. And when Michael first comes to America, he's a teamster. And then in 1920, he's a farmer. And by 1930, he owns his own grocery store and he's selling fruits, the fruits of his labor, I imagine. Michael Gentle, the dad, registers for the draft in World War I. And his draft card describes him as being short, stout, with black hair and brown eyes. (laughs) So... (laughs) An Italian from Sicily, yes. And poor Michael, the father, dies in 1953 from pneumonia Mm. and heart failure. Let's go back to Joe, who wrote the letter. In 1930, Joe is now living with an uncle in Iowa, and he's working in a fruit store. Mm -hmm. So it seems to me like there's this family chain. This is, you know, Italian, you know. Yeah, Yeah. isn't that fun? Yeah. But by 1932, he's already moved on to Austin, Minnesota, as we Mm. know, because that's where she got her letter. He's running Nelson's Grocery Store, and he's Mm. actually living above the store. Fun. It was located at 1011 Oakland Avenue, and I went and looked for it on a map, and it's a vacant lot. Uh, So we'll never know what the fruit store looked like. Yeah. He died in 1980 at Uh the age of 77, and we have not only a picture of Joe Gentle, but we have a picture of Joe, his wife, and their children. It's just so cute. That is cute. So that will be on our Patreon for you all to enjoy. May 26, 1933. After dinner, we went to the berry patch and picked a whole lot to can. Then Francis and I went over to Aunt Delia's and got some peas and lettuce. Came home and gathered in the clothes, shelled peas, and fixed supper. Francis and I were sitting under the cedar tree, and Boyce came by himself. Said Henley went on to church. I talked with him a while. Yeah, so Henley's like, no, boys, Henley's, you can go over there by yourself. Yeah, you go, I'm not. I'm going to see that girl. Right, she's trying to date she, Tommy. Tommy. That's right. So Henley's mad. So the beginning of the end. May twenty eighth, nineteen thirty three. Went to Sunday school today in Uncle Clyde's car. Tommy went back to Cersei today. Henley's sure enough mad. I bet he never comes back. I just like to talk to him. I hope I get to. Mm-hmm. What you can't have. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Exactly. May 29th, 1933. Went with Ruby to the berry patch, Aunt Delia's, to pick some berries this morning, but there weren't many, so we came back. 
Henley came over with his dad in the truck. He stayed and we talked things over. I don't know whether it's settled or not, though. The drama. You know, it's funny. After Uncle Clyde said that they mm-hmm. couldn't have their money, I noticed that they've been picking and packing less and less and less. And I thought they uh, were just disgruntled well, hey. workers, but I think they're just out. Yeah. I mean, the fields they're are bare. They're drying up. Yeah, they're yeah. done. But at first I right. thought, these girls are shut. Yeah. I'm only going to pack I five cases. Half <laughs> a quart today. I picked one effing berry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was funny. <laughs> May 30th, 1933. Francis and I talked to Uncle Clyde about money for packing. He won't pay us. It has to go on the bill. Daddy went to see Grandpa, but it was a futile trip. I don't know what we'll do. The Lord will provide, and I hope it's sometime soon, so we don't have to stay where we are not wanted. I said futile because resistance is futile, like on Star Trek, mm. and not futile. Isn't it futile? Futile. So, no, forgive, so forgive my, I, I don't think it, that's is correct. Is it not futile? Futile. Futile. I don't know it's how futile. I would say that. It's futile. futile. Well, I don't know. But anyway, I don't know. If, if I said it weird, that's why. But yeah. here we go. Yeah, yeah. Uncle Clyde's not giving him any money. Nothing. Daddy goes to cry to Grandpa. And nothing. I mean. Nothing. Come on. What does he think Grandpa's going to do? I mean, really, if we're just being honest, he and his family have come. They were desperate. They were given a situation. They've mat- they Wait till you find out in next week's episode mm-hmm. how much money they owe the store. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's significant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so they've built up all this debt. And what's he think Grandpa's going to do? Pay off his debt? You're there. You're working. You know what things cost. Yeah. Why aren't you ever in town? Why well, are you always that. going to Memphis? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I have a bone to pick with Louie. He picked some strawberries. Yeah. I mean, Clyde and Delia and her husband and everybody right. else is surviving. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Delia's husband's dead. Is he? Yeah, he dies in like 28. I didn't know. So Delia's on her own. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. There's so much going on. But she does do these little sometimes wrap-ups at the end of the month. Right. And I liked this wrap-up. Okay. Well, I did get to pick berries. But what good did it do me? I don't get any money for it. I don't know who I like better. Tommy or Henley. <laughs> so I love it fashion, with her. Just goes right back to boys. Yeah, yeah. So that strawberry season is over. Uh-huh. And as we know from last year, summer's a little bit of a break for the girls. Mm-hmm. But here's the problem. They're in debt to the store. Mm-hmm. Uncle Clyde's not giving them any money. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they're going to live through the summer. They're probably embarrassed because there are no more nickels. Nothing. For carnivals anymore. Right. So that's really sad. Um, but we talked about that. This is what happened to tenant farmers. So next mm-hmm. week we have Henley, Tommy, and Herschel Love Square. That's going to really mm-hmm. heat up in, with summer loving, had right. me a blast. And so come on and join us next week. In the meantime, follow us on the Facebook and stuff. And Thank you all. Join us at the Patreon where My Grandma's Diary's there. And so much stuff there uh, on the and, Patreon. And write those reviews, and it would mean a lot to us. So until next time. Yep. Until we see you next Tuesday. See ya. <laughs> All right. Bye.